0: at some point i just realized like i would i would be sitting in class not paying attention and planning out my next recipe video and i would just sit there and i'm like i really don't want to be here i don't care about like i respect physical therapy but i was like i don't care about the correct Sequencing of numbers to use when this person has a rotator cuff injury versus when this person has a low back injury like at the end of the day I wanted to be a physical therapist because I wanted to help people and now I like to say like I help people But in a different way because I want to show them that like vegan food can be accessible and easy and tasty
1: Hello Veggie mates. Happy New Year You just heard from today's very special guest Caitlin Shoemaker you might know her from her website, YouTube, or Instagram page, From My Bowl. I am your host, Matthew Davey. Welcome back to the Veg Talk Podcast, a show where we focus on game changing humans from around the world who are doing their thing in the plant based and vegan world. I'm stoked to have you with me today for another epic episode. So, firstly, an update. Our travels are going very well as we move down the west coast of the United States. I've been very lucky to line up podcasts in Oregon and California, and we're enjoying the sun since moving south of San Francisco. Our van went in for some minor repairs a couple of days back. We had an oil change and two new headlights put in. Anna left me briefly to go on a cruise to the Bahamas with her best friends. It's a bachelorette party, and I have podcasts lined up with some amazing guests here in Los Angeles, the OC. And also, I have a big drive out to Tucson uh, for some very, very special guests who I can't wait to share with you. But now, let's shift our focus to today's episode. Caitlin Shoemaker is the creator of From My Bowl, an amazing online resource for delicious vegan recipes. We recorded with Caitlin whilst traveling through Portland, Oregon, where she has recently moved after spending some time in Miami for her graduate degree, which she left to pursue online work full-time caitlin is an extremely hard-working and dedicated young woman who focuses on giving people easy recipes to follow that are delicious and of course vegan we will hear about her life and business journey to date and she shares some valuable lessons for anyone who is interested in pursuing their passion online and turning that into a side hustle or a business i hope you enjoy the show guys and i'll talk to you on the other side okay well, this is podcast number one in the van. Ooh. Very exciting here today with a really awesome guest. Her name is Caitlin Shoemaker. You might know her from From My Bowl on yeah. Instagram and YouTube. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So a pretty nice setup you got going on in the van. I yeah, like it. Thanks.
1: It's it's cozy. It's cozy. It gets a little frosty in the in the winter, but we're, we're doing well so far. Yeah. Portland's got a little bit of a, I suppose... Better weather conditions than we've experienced mm-hmm. through some of the other states. So,
0: Yeah, the winters here actually aren't too cold, I've noticed. It's pretty mild. I grew up on yeah. the East Coast, so I'm used to colder temperatures, and I walk outside and I'm like, oh, for December, this isn't that bad.
1: Yeah, no, so. it's, it seems, I think, it, compared to Boston too, Anna, it seems pretty pretty good. Yeah, we'll take the oh we'll, yeah, we'll take the above freezing temperatures <laughs> every day of the week.
0: Definitely.
1: So yeah, we're here today um, in Portland, beautiful place. We've had a a good morning so far. Had a bit of breakfast. Now we're recording the the podcast, and I I suppose the thing that intrigues me most about you is that you're 24 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, you're an extremely hard worker, dedicated, consistent to to what you're doing. Uh, but I'd like to hear a little bit you know earlier previous to um to starting YouTube previous mm-hmm. to your Instagram page uh, and your business really okay so you know where you grew up and and what it was like for you I suppose as a non-vegan growing up on the on the east coast
0: yeah okay um so I grew up in Columbia Maryland which is like 15 minutes outside of Baltimore and usually people know what Baltimore is um it's pretty much in the suburbs, like a typical American suburb that you would see in the movies. Nothing too crazy about it, but wasn't incredibly boring either. I feel like I had a pretty pretty normal life with my family, though I will say I was raised as a vegetarian. My parents are very conservative, which I think is funny, but the being vegetarian was the only really liberal thing about them. So it's an interesting dynamic, but so growing up, I was vegetarian, and I have two younger brothers, so we were all vegetarian, and it was more of my parents' decision, and we were kind of raised as vegetarians, but they didn't spend too much time really describing the ethical connection or even like a health connection. They just kind of told us that it's not nice to eat animals and other people eat animals, but we don't, and for me as a kid also, I probably didn't have the mental capacity to understand like anything beyond that as well, Um, so growing up, I was just like, oh, I see my friends eating animal products and other things, but I just knew it was something that I didn't do, and I never really associated any moral, moral or ethical principles to it, but it was just sort of our lifestyle. And it is interesting to see how much the vegetarian and vegan movement has expanded a lot because as a kid, I remember eating, like, a, there were very few brands, and the products themselves weren't even that good for vegetarians, and we did eat some vegan products every once in a while, too. And I was definitely the only vegan in my school. I went to a uh, pretty small private school, but our family, we were the only vegetarian vegans. Everyone else was eating their standard American diet. And now, like growing up and in high school, I'm pretty sure I was the only vegetarian too. But now looking back, it's become so much more common and there are so many more younger kids and people actually know what vegetarian is. Um, So it's interesting to see how it's just expanded in general. But growing up, I feel like I had a pretty kind of stereotypical, like American life. I did go to um, private school. So I had a slightly different education and I went to an all girls Catholic uh, high school. So that was an interesting experience. Um, But I'm really happy with my education. And I do think it has helped me become a hard worker and be more dedicated um, because I was raised to be a very organized and driven person. Um, But yeah, growing up, I was always interested in science. And I thought I wanted to do something with science full time. Um, So when I went to college, I applied to do sort of pre-physical therapy. So I decided to move to Pittsburgh for college, which is about four hours away from my home in Maryland. And I was still vegetarian at the time, and I was taking science classes for pre-PT. My major was rehabilitation science, and then I was also minoring in Spanish at the time. Um, And again, I feel like I had a pretty standard, like, well... I had a kind of a standard college experience. I'd say like my freshman year, I lived on campus and I lived on the dorms, um, but the dining hall was actually not very friendly to vegetarians. And I was like, this is it. I'm tired of eating cheese pizza every single day or like limp vegetables from the salad bar. It's like, I have to move off campus next year. I can't survive with all the boring cafeteria food. And then I moved off campus and I actually think that's where my love for cooking first developed because- I was used to my parents cooking for me growing up and in high school, and then when I went to college, I relied on the cafeteria, but then when I was actually on my own and fully independent and responsible, I was like, well, I have to cook something or I'm going to starve, so I think that's where I started to spend more time in the kitchen, and I really found a love for food and developed um, more of a culinary repertoire, I guess, and I started out by making other people's recipes and then I've never been one to follow a recipe to a T anyways, so I began to experiment on my own and that's kind of where From my bowl was born. That's really and, cool. Yeah. Yeah, when experience.
1: when we are thrust into positions where <laughs> the food is no longer cooked for us. Yes. I'm smiling cuz I can just picture our household when uh <laughs> when we started living together, we were both <laughs> terrible in the kitchen. Oh really? And it was yeah, a lot of pizza, a lot of a lot of junk and then us too like the you know the the interest in actually cooking a meal from scratch Mm -hmm. that's when it started yeah so yeah it's it's cool that i suppose college days are, are not normally paired with people um having this realization i suppose most people are more more than happy to go down the cheese pizza route yeah um for their time in college but going back even further there so as a kid you know, growing up as a vegetarian, mm-hmm. what was it like socially? So, like, if you were at a at a party or, mm-hmm. you know, at school, did you have kids that were like, oh, Caitlin, try, you know, I don't know, try this pizza that has yeah. meat on it or try these chicken wings or...
0: People would. I was pretty, I was a pretty convicted child. Like if I knew I wanted to do something or didn't want to do something, I was pretty firm with saying no. Um, But it was harder as a vegetarian. I know I would go to kids' birthday parties and be like, oh, we only got pepperoni pizza. We can just pick the pepperonis off and you can eat it, right? But I was like, no, that's not really the same thing because I actually learned the hard way. When we were kids, it was really popular to have birthday parties at McDonald's. I'm not sure why, but I went to a birthday party at McDonald's and I didn't know like what was vegetarian and what wasn't. So I ate their French fries because I assumed that they would be, but they're actually processed with lard and like other animal products for flavoring. And my body, because I'd never had animal products before I was raised vegetarian since I was born, um, it doesn't, it can't digest it. So I immediately like within 30 minutes, I threw up. Because my body was, like, not used to digesting the animal protein at all. And so I felt gross. And I think from there, that was kind of a learning experience. I was like, I know if I eat something that's not vegetarian, Mm. I'm not going to feel good. But I would say it was challenging at some points. Like, people would, like, make fun of me for not eating uh, animal products sometimes. But also, I was kind of a more introverted or, like, reserved kid. And even throughout my life, I more likely to have like a smaller group of close knit friends than to be like super popular and like a big extrovert. Um, and I did just in general as a kid experience like some bullying. So it was kind of like part of it. Um, I was probably because I was vegetarian, but I also knew like at the end of the day, uh, what was going to make me happy. And I was vegetarian because my parents were and I liked like eating vegetables and things like that. So I didn't let it get to me too much. But it there were some birthday parties where I would go to and I would feel a little left out because I couldn't eat the food or things like that. Um, but I would still say it wasn't like a major determining factor in my happiness because I knew there were more important things out there. Like I was a total bookworm. I loved to read. And I'd like go outside and play with my friends and like play imaginary scenarios with my friends outside and like catch frogs, which in retrospect probably wasn't very vegan of us. <laughs> um, but we had like, I, I had my own like little fun outlets and my close friends were not judgmental at all about it. And I think that's was what mattered to me. Um, but it definitely is very different from now a day. Oh yeah.
1: Like as you were saying products, uh, you know, the, the, the choice we have now, Mm -hmm. like even the last couple of years, the last few years, it's really multiplying, expanding, growing. Uh, it's getting interesting, tasty. Yes. Yeah. It's easy to get sucked in for for sure. Um, in addition to that, you know, I think it's, yeah. From what you were saying, your parents didn't really dive deeply into the, into the ethical stuff. There's no real need when a, you know, a kid is young. Mm -hmm. I think a broad explanation is enough. Like Yeah, you know, totally. These animals don't need to be eaten. Mm-hmm. I think, and children are very compassionate naturally. Mm-hmm. So for some reason, it's the connection is, I think it makes more sense for kids. It's like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, you know, that cow is, you know, just going about its day. There's no need for us to eat it. Like it's a nice cow. I am i don't want to eat that on on my plate. Did they dive deeper into their reasoning behind being vegetarian as you got older, or did you ask questions? Um,
0: it didn't really come up too much, honestly, because I think I just accepted uh, that I was vegetarian and sort of grew up with it. I didn't really do any of my deep diving until I was in college. Um, but. I did want to comment on the the kids thing. I do actually remember now my dad had this one T-shirt and it was a bunch of different animals at like a picnic. It was like a chicken and a cow and a pig. And they're all sitting around the table eating um, like vegetarian and vegan food. And I remember he used that shirt to explain to me as a kid. He was like, see, these are animals. And like, they want to live happy lives too. So they don't like it when you eat them. And I think like kids do have an innate understanding. Like if they realize that that piece of chicken on their plate And then they see the picture of the actual hen or the chicken where it comes from. They don't want to eat it. And like you were saying, you don't need to explain it further. And I think I just sort of grew up like accepting the situation in which I was raised. And I didn't really do any more like self-exploration or more introspective diving until I was in college. And I was asked myself then, like, why am I vegetarian? Because I did grow up in a sort of bubble. I would say. And I was exposed more into the quote unquote real world once I was in college Um, because I did have a pretty sheltered life. Um, And that's when I started to ask myself like the bigger questions. And I started to do my own research and like watch the popular documentaries and be like, hey, I don't feel so great eating cheese pizza. Maybe I should look into foods that will actually help me feel great and like actually exercise at the gym and things like that. So I think Me becoming vegan and becoming more passionate about my health, but also the animals and the planet in general, sort of came as I just matured, like as a human and started to ask the the deeper questions.
1: So those things in combination got you away from like the dairy products. Yeah. And the eggs and whatnot.
0: Yeah, like for me... I technically went vegan overnight, but I was interested in plant-based living for a while. Um, I actually originally started my Instagram just as a health diary. I just wanted to record my food because I was like, I am tired of feeling like crap. I'm going to do this workout plan and just post pictures of my oatmeal on my comforter every day. And that's what I did for like a year. But I remember when I got on Instagram, I was like, wow, there are so many other people taking beautiful pictures of their food. And I was like, Wow, that cake is vegan. Those pancakes are vegan. Like, I could never give up cheese, like every vegetarian or meat eater says. Um, But then... Like for me, food is sort of a science experiment too because I do have that science background and I like sort of thinking analytically about that. I thought it was really interesting how someone could make a vegan cake that looks beautiful but was still as fluffy as a traditional standard cake when there weren't any eggs or dairy or, or butter in it. So I started to experiment with vegan recipes just because I wanted to see how they worked scientifically. And while I was doing that, I also learned – I mean I think in general – Most people accept that like dairy products, especially like the really high saturated fat dairy products aren't good for your health anyway. So I was slowly cutting back on those to begin with and I was eating a healthier diet. So I think naturally I was cutting back a little bit more on the dairy products. I was still eating a decent amount of eggs. Um. And then I studied abroad. I was actually considering going vegan before I studied abroad, but I had already submitted my application and told my host mom that I was vegetarian. I was like, I'm going to Buenos Aires. They eat a lot of meat. I can't tell her I'm vegan too. Um, but it was a really cool experience. And I did start to eat more vegan food while I was there. But then when I came back, uh, that's when I really dove deep and I watched like Forks Over Knives. And, but then I watched Earthlings. And once I watched Earthlings, I was like, well, I, I can't eat an animal like because before I always say this too I think that people can be like plant-based for health reasons but everyone can quote-unquote cheat on their diet like if you can eat a healthy diet but when you want a piece of chocolate cake like you're going to eat the piece of chocolate cake if you have an appropriate sense of balance and like treating yourself um, but what caused me to actually call myself a vegan and go vegan was when I saw the ethical connection like what actually happens to animals in factory farms um, because I think For health reasons, you know, it's not a completely black and white issue. Like every once in a while, you might have an egg or like have ice cream with your friends. But when you're vegan, you see that egg or, like, that ice cream, and you're like, I know that animal suffered for that, and that is never worth it for me to enjoy, like, a bite of ice cream with my friends when you actually think about the behind-the-scenes things that are going on. So that's what caused me to go vegan and stay completely vegan, but I was initially interested in it for more health reasons. And then I would say, actually, after I went vegan, I started to learn more about the environmental reasons behind it, and it just, like, secured my convictions with the lifestyle.
1: Yeah, when you get that well-rounded approach, it's a very hard argument not to stick with it.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think
1: you, you put it very, very beautifully with the, you know, the animal suffering and a couple of minutes of sensory pleasure. Those two things do not pair up. Yeah. It's completely not worth it when you're looking at it from, from that angle. Mm-hmm. And understanding that that animal really feels... And lives that experience mm-hmm. just for like a punnet of ice cream or a, you know, a milkshake or whatever. Yeah. Something so, um you know, it seems so simple, mm-hmm. but it's actually quite a a harmful, yeah. yeah, harmful process. But yeah, that was really really interesting. You referred to the the eggs and the butter, right? So a question my mum often says when she's looking at like vegan cakes or she tries like a vegan dessert and she's like but but how
0: yeah isn't it crazy
1: like that's often a question i remember we were in adelaide and um i'm a big fan of carrot cake Mm. and they had this massive slice of carrot cake at this place we went and it was so moist and um yeah delicious and it was vegan and i'm like mom do you want to try this and she was just like blown away so how do vegan desserts get their, you know, how do they stay moist? How do they still be delicious mm-hmm. without the butter, without the eggs? Can you go into that a little yeah.
0: bit? Well, I think it, it does take a little more science and experimentation um, in terms of the vegan baker's point of view. But essentially, like a, a baking recipe, you need some sort of agent to make the baked good rise. And you need some sort of like fat or oil to make it moist and moisture to keep it dense. But beyond that, it's not like eggs are essential to making a cake rise. There are a million different vegan ingredients and recipes out there that prove otherwise. And it does depend on the recipe. I think baking is a lot harder than cooking because, you know, once you put something in the oven, it's there. You can't change anything. It's either going to come out and work well or it's not. But with all of the alternatives we have nowadays and the technology and people have been able to make butter that tastes like dairy butter but it's made from cashews and like fermented coconut um i know miyoko's kitchen has a really mm. good cultured butter we haven't tried it yet it's, it's really good um and there's vegan ice cream out there and i think just people raised on the standard american diet or a standard diet we were just raised to think that ice cream is made from cow's milk or that butter is made from cows or eggs come from chickens and you need them to make these cookies but why like why Why do they have to be made from butter that comes from a cow? Like you could make vegan butter and I just think people get so set in their ways and they just think that something has to be a certain way because that's the way they've known it all their life. But I think once you become more inquisitive and ask questions like, sure, there's typically eggs and cake, but why does it have to? You can still get a fluffy texture without it. And it's, it does come down to a science. Like there are a lot of really great vegan bakers out there and it's a certain combination of flours or like a common egg substitute would be using like ground flax seeds and water because you get that sort of binding or you can actually use apple cider vinegar and baking soda and they combine to create like a fizzy reaction you can actually do it it's a fun science experiment to do at your house just put some baking soda in a small bowl pour some apple cider vinegar over it and you can watch it fizz up so then when you use that in a recipe you keep them separate until the last minute and then you add them together and then when it's in the oven it's going to give that gas and that rise to the baked goods so you can still get the fluffiness um, of a traditional quote-unquote cake
1: there you go. Yeah. So I've it, never heard that one before. That's cool.
0: Yeah. It all honestly comes down to science. I mean, baking in and of itself is a science. It's an art, but it's also a science. You have to study the temperature and like the way certain ingredients are going to act. And I think that some standard recipes with animal products in it work so well because we've spent so much time in the past researching them because people are familiar with using dairy and eggs and they know how they're going to act under certain situations. But the vegan market in and of itself is still a relatively new field and a lot of chefs aren't trained using those ingredients. But I think that if they spent more time, they could realize that it can be just as easy, if not easier, and maybe even more delicious. Definitely. Uh, more cruelty free if you use vegan products in baking, but there are a lot of awesome vegan chefs out there who are making vegan croissants that are just as fluffy as regular croissants and you can see all the layers and they 're really proving that you do not need animal products in order to make something that 's delicious and It really inspires me too
1: I think the key element that you mentioned is curiosity mm-hmm. and it goes back to when you you started asking yourself questions about your vegetarian diet just asking questions of yourself or of things that you've been so used to doing a certain (laughs) way and seeing if they can be done differently or you can change your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Is it possible? Yes, it is. Okay, how do I do it? Yeah. So yeah, I I really like that. Um, Yeah, that kind of curious Mm -hmm. approach to, to the cooking.
0: Yeah, I do think it makes sense. I think most vegans who I meet, they are generally more inquisitive and they ask the bigger questions. And when you think about it, Well, vegans are in and of themselves compassionate if they're ethical vegans because they care about the welfare of other animals. But I also think they tend to be more mindful. Like I see a lot of vegans who are more involved in meditation or yoga. And there are definitely people who are involved in those practices who aren't vegan. But I think it does go hand in hand, like asking the bigger questions and thinking deeper. And once you challenge your beliefs that you were raised with or that society is promoting and you start to actually ask the questions, that's when I think you delve deeper into it and i do think at some point if you are asking those questions you're going to come across the ethical connection uh between diet and you sh- would come across like should i go vegan uh like the welfare of animals do animals really have to suffer in order for me to live a happy life um but i do think it expands into other like, genres of thought as well
1: yeah i can just say the google searches now <laughs> how do I? How do I? How do I? And it'll it'll tell you. It'll probably Google's pretty smart these yes, days. Yes, so definitely. It'll, it'll give you the answers. um So, how old when when we were talking about um you making the connection mm-hmm. and then starting your your from my bowl page? Mm-hmm. Was it always called from my bowl?
0: Yes, because I was I actually in college. I was living that college life. I didn't have very many dishes. I think I owned one plate. And like five bowls. Very minimalist ate, of you. I ate all my food out of bowls. So I was just like, hmm, if I'm going to make a food bowl, like I eat a lot of oatmeal and like pasta and like soup and I just put it all in a bowl. So it's like, oh, it's just food from my bowl. So it's like, from my bowl, that's a good Instagram. <laughs> but yeah, I only had one plate, I think. First a all, like a year and a half to two years because it's all I needed. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, it's, I, I like the name. I think it's really, really cool, catchy. Um, but yeah, when, when you made that connection, you started out, you know, bowls of oatmeal on your comforter. Yep. Pretty basic beginnings. Yep. Can you dive a little deeper into into the progression of it? Because, mm-hmm. so how old were you then? Mm-hmm. You're 24 now. Um, and a little bit on the, the progression mm-hmm. of, um, yeah, your your page.
0: Okay. Um, so I started for my bowl actually before I went vegan, but it was like purely, honestly, just oatmeal. Like if you scroll back, it's just... <laughs> Still Walls there? of oatmeal. It's still there. That's sick. <laughs> pretty much our recipes that are made from other people. But when I went vegan, and I actually went vegan on my 21st birthday, so a little of like three and a half years ago, um, that's when I also simultaneously told myself, hey, I kind of want to give this Instagram thing a shot and like try to make my own food. And I've always been a pretty creative person and more artistic. So I think... Initially, my experiments in the kitchen were more in terms of food styling, like I would make someone else's recipe and like, oh, how can I make this look pretty? Or I really like how this person arranged the bananas on their oatmeal in this one photo. Let me see if I can recreate that. Um, But I think it was the combination of just living by myself and having to cook my own food and being inspired by other people definitely played a big role. Um, Like other recipe developers, I would see, oh, they make chili. And it's like my mom has always made a chili. It's kind of like that kind of different. I'm going to put my own twist on it. And I started out with very, very basic recipes. Like I ate a lot of oatmeal, but I also don't like to eat the same exact thing every day. Like I love food. I'm a total foodie at heart and I like to get creative with my food. So I'd be like, hmm, well today I'm going to add cinnamon to my oatmeal and peanut butter. But tomorrow I don't really want to eat that. Um, but I really like that like fudge brownie ice cream I had last week. So maybe if I add cacao powder and like walnut pieces, it'll taste kind of like a fudge brownie. But it'll still be oatmeal and it'll still be interesting. So for me, I love to combine like fun flavors or put twists on recipes or yeah, use flavor profiles that remind me of another like really decadent or yummy thing. But be able to incorporate tasty food into my everyday life. So I started out honestly just with like a million different oatmeal recipes and then I would always make a ton of soup and chili because it was usually cheap for a college student and very easy to meal prep and I would just make my chili slightly different every week like maybe one week I would add in butternut squash and the next week I'd use like black beans and pinto beans. So I had some basic staple recipes that I would slowly modify with time and I would figure out how a dish would I guess, sort of react if I add a different spice to it or if I added more or less of a different ingredient. And then I think from there, once I had a few set basic recipes that I knew I could make and modify in a variety of ways, that's when I started to branch out more and try my hand at more complicated things like baking and I guess exploring other like flavors as well. Because growing up, my family, we didn't eat a lot of very culturally diverse food and for me, food is fun and it is an experiment. So when I went out to eat at a Thai restaurant or an Indian restaurant or Chinese or Mexican or anything, and be like, wow, this flavor combination is really, really interesting and it's something I've never had before. I want to try to recreate it at home. And so I would look online at recipes and see the general spice profile or general techniques, but then I would take it into my kitchen and put my own twist on it and make it vegan too.
1: Yeah, that's, that's cool. I think spices the combination are key. yeah they're key that's like i i used to make food and anna was like this is kind of boring like you know we're just eating like really plain food and anna's from mexico so she grew up with really good spice combinations mm-hmm. and really tasty food so that's when i started experimenting more with different uh different combinations and it makes such a huge difference
0: yeah if any i, I think a lot of people can get scared of spices because they look expensive on the store shelf sometimes um but you don't have to get the like the fanciest organic locally sourced spice to start out especially if you're on a budget um but spices also last a really really long time it's not like you're putting the whole bottle into a single recipe like i have a jar of cayenne pepper that i probably had for years and you just need a little but it goes a long way and it makes such a a difference to your food. I mean, people say it all the time, but people don't really like to eat animal products because of the actual animal protein. It's because of the seasonings and the flavors and the methods of cooking that you're used to prepare it. And when you take those methods and those spices and add it to plants, it can taste just as delicious, um, which is what I like to do. And so I think having a few set of spices that you're comfortable with using and having a pretty diverse spice cabinet. You can figure out how to mix and match them in different ways and it takes your food to the next level. It's say spices and then also salt. I think sometimes people don't add enough salt and even just adding a tiny pinch of salt to a recipe and bringing it to the level that it actually should be at, it makes such a difference in just the way the flavors um are absorbed and like registered in your mouth as well like even baked desserts a lot of people don't add salt to desserts but like scientifically it's proven that the salt increases the flavor profile of the other ingredients and you're not even adding that much but just by adding a pinch it makes such a difference in the balance overall interesting add salt that's my biggest thing i'm like if there's no salt in this dessert recipe i'm not sure if i trust him because it needs just a tiny bit of salt
1: interesting i think the first time i tried salt on like any sweet kind of thing was Mm -hmm. like a i don't know it was like a salt sea salt and chocolate bar
0: yeah like there are recipes that take it to the extreme when you have like salted caramel and stuff but like even in a good chocolate cake it won't taste salty but there will be a tiny amount of salt in it and that's what like takes it Mm. to the next level i mean even chocolate in general some chocolate cake recipes will actually use like tomato paste or like coffee in it and you don't necessarily taste that but it just adds a subtle depth of flavor um that you can't identify in your mouth it can be like oh that tastes like tomatoes but tomatoes are actually a really great source of umami which is like depth of flavor that a lot of vegan recipes tend to lack so just by adding a tiny bit to a chocolate cake you're like increasing the flavor but you don't like mentally or physically detect it
1: so for those at home that may not have a uh, very diverse mm-hmm. spice cabinet, yeah, where would you start? What what are like your five mm. go to spices? We were talking about this the other day, <laughs> <laughs> and and Anna calls them the Spice Girls. Our, spice Girls, that's funny. Uh, I love that. Our um, I'd say five. I think we've got a top five. five. Yeah.
0: Mm. So I definitely think this depends on. Personal preference too because I definitely have some that I love that maybe other people may not like as much. Well, let's hear them. But I would say for sweet, like I would just have to recommend cinnamon because I love cinnamon on everything. It's actually not my favorite like sweet spice, I would say. Cardamom, I actually really love cardamom, but I don't think it's as versatile as cinnamon. So I'd recommend cinnamon because you can add it with bananas, with peanut butter. You can even use it in some savory um, applications as well. And it just takes things to the next level I think and I love how it has sort of a spice to it as well and it's usually pretty affordable and then I my all-time favorite spice is honestly probably smoked paprika I love smoked paprika if you don't like smoky flavor I can understand why you may not like it but I use it in everything I'm like oh it just needs a little bit because a lot of vegan recipes lack what I was saying earlier that umami flavor which is sort of What's it, like the sixth taster? I learned about the umami with the taste. previous guest. So yeah. yeah, a lot of like meat itself has that umami, which is basically just depth of flavor. And it's like a way something is in your mouth. But vegan recipes, because there isn't meat in them, don't have that. So I think when people switch over, that's sort of the ingredient that they're missing. And the smokiness definitely adds that depth of flavor um, to a recipe that some vegan recipes lack, which is why I love to use smoked paprika. I use it in, um, I make like a smoky tempeh. Um, sort of like a bacony flavor, and that really adds great depth of flavor there. Honestly, I'll just roast potatoes and put smoked paprika and salt on them, and I think they taste so good. I could eat that every day and never get sick of it. And I also like to add it to chili, too, because the paprika itself just adds that extra depth it's great in soups and it also has a nice golden color to roasted vegetables too if you care about appearances so say cinnamon smoked paprika the next i'd probably say cumin or cumin because i think there's a lot of applications for that too it's like really great in chilies um but you can also use it like in indian foods or like in a variety of different ways it's another has a lot of applications um i would say Hmm, this is hard. My last two. I might be boring and say garlic powder. I think I'm going to say garlic powder because garlic is cheap, and if you can use fresh garlic, I would recommend it. But garlic powder actually tastes different than fresh garlic, and there is an advantage to having garlic powder because when you roast vegetables with fresh garlic, the garlic will burn, and garlic burns pretty easy easily when you cook with it in general, but garlic powder does not. So it's great for roasting vegetables and adding that extra – Flavor, and I mean, who doesn't love the smell of garlic or the taste of garlic? I think when you add it to any recipe, you get. I pretty much add garlic to all my recipes. I'm like, should I not? Have I added too much garlic to all my recipes? I'm like, nah, <laughs> nah, everything's better with garlic. And then, I think for my last one, I would actually maybe recommend like a spice blend, like curry powder or something, because I think Indian food is really delicious. But when you first delve into it, it can seem kind of overwhelming because there are a lot of different spices and obscure ingredients but when you buy a spice blend like curry powder it has all those ingredients together already so you get that depth of flavor and that interesting component to your food without having to buy seven different bottles of spices so I I do recommend spice blends for like a beginner even if you can find like a vegan fajita mix or something like and you don't want to go out and buy like the cumin and the coriander and the chili powder and all that things uh all that stuff I would recommend looking in blends first there so some curry blends will taste better than others personally I don't really like the one from like Trader Joe's I don't I think it tastes kind of flat um but it's all about experimenting and like curry powder you might think oh I would just make like like a typical Indian curry like stir-fries and vegetables but I love to like put it on my potatoes I'll make curry potatoes or I'll put it in a soup and it's like just because there's a standard or conventional way to use a spice doesn't mean that's the only way to use it. And I like to t- keep that in mind with my recipes and the way I use spices too. I'm like, yeah, sure. A typical Indian curry, like you can make vegetable korma with like peas and rice and stuff, but you could also make like curried tofu and maybe roast some butternut squash and put curry powder on it or like make curried mashed potatoes. Like why not? But I, I like, I guess I like to ask a lot of questions and I'm like, well, sure. It's not conventional, but why can't I do that? And it tastes good for the most part.
1: Firstly, our set of spice Girls are very similar.
0: <laughs> really? What were yours? I'm curious.
1: So I think we had smoked paprika number 1. Smoked paprika is the best. Garlic powder every okay. day of the week. Mm-hmm. Cumin. And then I think we said turmeric. Turmeric. Mm.
0: And pumpkin spice. Mm. No, because no pumpkin spice, spice is a was blend pumpkin too.
1: spice I said was the seasonal addition. Okay. I think there was a there was a different f- Fifth there are other one. ones
0: that I would recommend, like chili powder. I think is really good. Like black pepper, also just like takes everything. Just yeah. adds that nice extra little bit of heat. Um, but I would say those are the spices that I use most commonly. And I do like to buy like I usually buy fresh ginger if I'm using ginger, but dry ginger is like a pretty good. so yeah. But yeah, I'd, I I think I'd still stick with my five.
1: <laughs> yep. No, I'll but like I like your, yours. I like your five. Thank I like your you. five. But uh, secondly. The the potatoes. So I think recently we did for the first time um potatoes in the oven. I think mm-hmm. we boiled them for a little bit okay. first, then in the oven, but we did it with cumin and smoked paprika.
0: I do that sometimes. And so it was good.
1: Damn good. It was yeah, delicious. Like mouth watering. It's my mouth is watering right I, now. Right? Like, t- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, very cool. Very cool. So your I suppose your explanations for the reasoning behind mm-hmm. your spices is a lot deeper than what we would normally offer and I loved hearing about that. So thank you for for sharing yeah. a little bit a little bit more uh, about why you you chose each one. Now at what point in your journey did from my bowl go from you know what you've just explained mm-hmm. to So more what it is now. So a couple of things I notice about you and your work is that every photo is immaculately put together. Thank you. (laughs) I think it's like you know you've you put together, and I think you put a lot of work into it. I've read some of the tips that you have Mm -hmm. uh, about like why you choose odd numbers, for example. Yeah. Uh, At what point did you invest in, um, or, you know at what point did you say, hey, I need a better camera for mm-hmm. this? Uh, YouTube, when did that come into play? Yeah. Uh, I'd love to hear some, some more about that. Sure.
0: So, like I said, I started out Instagram just for fun. And I remember when I first joined Instagram, I was like, if I ever get someone messaging me for free food on Instagram, like a company, I was like, that's when I made it. <laughs> and I, was like, I just want free food. And then eventually I did start to get free food. And then I was like, hey, wait, people are actually like charging money to get free food or like they're making money and this is their full time job. But for me, it was it totally started as a passion project. Like I just loved food and I loved photography and I did have some experience. Like, I liked photography in high school. I had one friend who was a really good photographer and we would hang out and I would like borrow her camera and stuff. And I actually worked for a whole summer as a nanny and I saved up all that money to buy like a very low entry level DSLR. So when I kind of lucked out, so when I started to take better photos of my food, I already had a DSLR from previous experience, but I had no intention ever to apply that to food photography. Um, So I always started out with a more creative side, I guess. And I do, I would say in general, just have a love for learning. So I would love to watch like HGTV. And even though design isn't really related to food, in a way it is in terms of food styling. Like I learned... I think from like TLC or something like odd numbers are more visually appealing to the eye and I'm like oh well that probably applies to food photography too and I know there are certain rules um, like that I learned in art class for design in terms of like the rule of thirds or like where to place things in a photo and so I've always found that fascinating and I sort of have taken all of my life experiences and like put it into my work and tried to apply it in a more creative way and I've also taken a lot of free classes online. I think There can be a misconception that when you're starting out with a food blog, you need to invest tons and tons of money into resources and buying all these online classes. And honestly, I did everything for like free. I think now that I have a self sustaining business and I can invest in courses, I have invested in a few and they have helped me learn. But most of the information I've learned has been from free resources. And I think if you, just do a little searching like on YouTube or on podcasts and stuff, you can totally teach yourself how to take photos and how to use manual mode in a camera um, and how to operate a DSLR and like edit things in iMovie on your computer. I started out with the bare minimum because I it was just fun for me. It wasn't something that I saw turning into a business. And I was like, I am a college student on a budget and I have student loans. Like I don't have the money to go drop $3,000 on a camera. So I started out just taking pictures with my iPhone and like editing in the Instagram app itself. And then as I learned and got friends in the community and I saw what they were using, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And like I had a basic DSLR camera. So I was like, oh, this shoots video. I can use that for YouTube when I decided to start YouTube. And I was just I basically just used what I had. And even if you start YouTube on your iPhone, there are people who do that. And I told myself when I joined YouTube, I was like, I can't spend upfront money on this because I have other bills to pay. But I was like, once I make enough money on YouTube where I can afford to buy a camera, I'll buy a nicer camera. So I waited. And then once I started, once I made enough money from the YouTube AdSense, that's when I bought a camera and that's when I upgraded. So I know some people do it differently. And I do think that there is times when it is worth it to put in an initial investment especially for YouTube and things but that just wasn't feasible for me at that point in my life so I didn't Um, but then as my blog grew and as I started to get more income from YouTube as well as my recipe blog as well as like working with brands on Instagram I would say as I've grown that's when I start to invest more money in it and now I feel very like thankful to say that I have worked my butt off and I do make enough money to support myself and have this be a full-time job but it definitely wasn't always that way so now I feel more comfortable making those larger investments in equipment but I would say definitely to start out you don't need to and I think a lot of people put a lot of pressure on themselves to have their content be perfect when they first start and you can look back at my first Instagram post it's very ugly and you can look back at my first YouTube videos and they're very awkward and not edited very well but it's fine because some content is better than no content at all and I think as you can you can see I even look at my photos that I took from a year ago and I think I have learned so much from since then and the quality of my photos has improved the quality of my photography. I mean, life is just a big journey about learning and like, we're all going to progress as we go. So I think it's, it's kind of cool to see how far I've come. And like, also I can look at other people's work and be inspired and, See how much I still have left to learn. But I think when you approach it from more of a fun perspective versus like, hey, it's a journey and I'm learning versus like all my content has to be perfect right now or I'm not good enough. That's when I think you're going to like go wrong or like be too hard on yourself and just compare yourself to other people, which is never, never worth it.
1: For sure. Yeah, it's it's definitely that, that kind of comparison stuff is a trap that a lot of us, yeah. probably all of us can fall into or have fallen into. At some point, but it is harmful to to your creativity and your consistency and your mm-hmm. work and your end product, so uh, yeah, I'm glad you kind of you mentioned that, but it's really cool to yeah to I hear how you yeah. kind of bootstrapped it up and to a point where you know it made sense for you to say, "Hey, you know this is the time for me to mm-hmm. to upgrade." I think it makes a lot of sense, you know you realize that you had some important bills to pay mm-hmm. that's real life scenarios for a lot of us you know there's there are bills that are prioritized over yes. a nice Canon or Nikon camera you know mm-hmm. it's um it, yeah it's it's the scenario for for most of us I would say mm-hmm. so you were juggling this with college yes right so yes. that's cool yeah got a little side hustle going on mm-hmm. At what point... Because we saw you last year at some point uh, in New York. That was the first time we met at the... Yes. It was a vegan food festival.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, was I still in school then?
1: I can't remember if you just made the decision to to move, but that's exactly where I'm going with this. So yeah. I'd love to hear what made you... Make the switch. Make the switch yeah. from school to YouTube... Uh, and you know, Instagram mm-hmm. and just your, your page and your business in general and what your family thought of it. Cause yeah. it's a, it's a big switch. It's a, it's a bold move from, it uh, for anyone, mm-hmm. especially yeah. someone of your age. I think it's, it's really cool to see you do it. Love to hear a little bit more.
0: Sure. So I, started to make money on youtube um which is just from like the ads people would watch before your videos towards the end of my senior year of college so uh, while i was in college i was taking a pretty challenging major and i was very busy with school but i also had a side job i worked at a waitress at a local restaurant um and then in my free time from there that's when i was doing instagram and taking my food photos and i was starting to make enough honestly i think i was making like maybe like a hundred dollars a month Um, from YouTube Uh, but when I went to graduate school so I moved from Pittsburgh to Miami to go to graduate school to get my doctorate in physical therapy or at least that's what the plan was Um, and they advised in my school program they're like honestly the first semester is really hard we don't advise that you get a job you should just get used to the course load of graduate school and then in the second semester if you think you can handle it Get a job from there, which I also realized is a luxury that some people simply can't afford. Um, But I did have student loans and I had a stipend to help me pay for that. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take a risk. I'm making like enough money on YouTube to like budget my groceries every month. So I was like, I'm just going to not work for this first semester and use the time that I would have worked to try to work on my YouTube channel. And that's what I did. And that's actually when my channel started to take off. And it was pretty a pretty exponential growth. And I slowly started to make more and more money. Um, but even before then, it's actually funny in college, I was talking to one of my coworkers at the restaurant I worked at and I was showing him my Instagram and he's like, oh, it's cool. You're kind of like Instagram famous. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's just something I do for fun. And I like, I make some money, but it's, it's not a big deal. And he told me, and this still gives me goosebumps, but he was like, if you keep doing that, you're going to make more money with that than you ever would as a physical therapist. And I looked at him and I was like, you're crazy. I'm never gonna make money with this, and then I just like walked away. But I look back and I'm like, that's literally like what I do now, and it's it is interesting to see how in two years so much has changed in my life. Um, but it was a really hard decision, to be honest, and it's something I thought about for a very very long time before I decided to leave my graduate school program. I would say about like once every semester in graduate school. I would have a sort of mini mental breakdown. I'd be like, I don't know if this is what I really want to be doing with my life because I do love Instagram and I like, I'm making some money, but I knew I wasn't making enough in order to support myself and get a full time income. But then once it started to take off more, like I was saying, um, I started to make enough money uh, to like pay all of my rent and pay my groceries and then have some savings left over. Not much, but like I was making enough to get by. And so that kind of motivated me to work a little harder and say hey I'm making enough money to get by maybe if I like put in a little more effort I can make enough in order to have this be my full-time job and I think once I realized that it actually could become a sustainable thing that's when I started to realize that maybe I wasn't so passionate about my graduate school classes and I started to have the wavering doubts because all my life I did think that I wanted to be a physical therapist. So it was sort of an identity thing for me too. It's like, well, what am I if I'm not going to be this person? And like, what if I pursue this other path instead? Um, so I thought about it for a while. Like I said, had a lot of mini mental breakdowns. So I would cry and be like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. But um, at some point I just realized like I would, I would be sitting in class not paying attention and planning out my next recipe video. And I would just sit there and I'm like, I really don't want to be here. I don't care about like, I respect physical therapy, but I was like, I don't care about the correct sequencing of numbers to use when this person has a rotator cuff injury versus when this person has a low back injury and it's like at the end of the day I wanted to be physical therapist because I wanted to help people and now I like to say like I help people but in a different way because I want to show them that like vegan food can be accessible and easy and tasty but I was definitely nervous about what other people would think about me so for a while I knew that I wanted to leave graduate school but I was too scared to do anything Um, even though I was paying for it or generating debt for it completely by myself. Uh, My parents weren't supporting me in any way. Like, I paid all my rent. I had my own loans. Um, And I talked to a few friends about it. And I did actually talk to my parents about it. And I remember telling my mom, I was crying. and I was like, I just really think that I could do this, like, my blog full time. But I know that you guys, um, like, don't want me to. And my mom even admitted. She was like, well, you're right. Like, being a physical therapist is a much more stable job and we would much prefer that you finish school in order to have that stability Um, and then I was upset about that obviously but then I talked to my other friend and she's like you know what Caitlin at the end of the day it's your life and you're paying for everything and you know what's really going to make you happy and if you have a feeling that like this like being a creative person and like doing this blog is like what you need to do then you need to do it and you don't have to listen to anyone else. So I sat there, I thought about it and I was like, you know, this is the right decision. And if I need to take a break from school, I can always come back to school, but I can't really like take a break from social media or like doing what I'm doing and come back to that. And this is what truly makes me happy. So I just went into school. I met with the super, um, like the superintendent or the head of the department. and I was like, I'm leaving. And then she's like, what? And all my teachers were so surprised they're like you are doing you're not failing like you have a's you're doing well in school I'm like I am doing well but I'm just I am just doing the bare minimum to get a's because this is not what I'm passionate about anymore and I respect the field but I need to leave so I left and then I got home and I called my parents and I was just like so I left school today and I'm not going back I left the program and they were just like well okay and I thought they were going to get mad but they My dad was actually like, you know, you were paying for it all yourself and it's your life. So I guess we can't really tell you what to do. So as long as you can pay your rent, you do you. And I was like, that went better than expected because (laughs) I honestly was not expecting it. But ever since then, my parents have been really supportive. And I do think it has been easier for them to be supportive of me because I have been able to support myself and I didn't have any like rougher times where... Like maybe I couldn't pay my bills one month because I I do feel lucky to have had the financial quote unquote security um, before I left graduate school um, in order to take this on as a full time job. But I will say once I took it on as a full time job, I felt so much freer and like less stressed because before I was dividing my time between school, which is something that I was kind of interested in but didn't really want to do, with my blog. But then once I had enough time to do everything I needed to do for my blog. And then have actual time to like breathe and relax outside of it and put my full time and energy into it. I feel like I've had a whole new world of opportunities arise and I've been able to travel and go to different vegan festivals and really spend more time in the kitchen and improve my photography skills and improve the overall quality of my content. And Be able to interact with my audience more and like form friendships and stuff through there. So I really do think it has like blossomed and grown as I have grown and have been able to pursue it full time. And it definitely wasn't an easy decision, but I do think it was the right decision. And just thinking now, it's like if I was still in school, I know that I would be miserable, and I at this point I would be a hundred percent sure that it wasn't what I wanted to do with my life. But I think I would feel more trapped um, because I would have had put like almost three years into it at this point and I would have had hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt but I was sitting in school and I was like you know I'm making enough money to like barely scrape by as a creative but I could do that and be happy and like not be starving and homeless or anything like that and I'd still have so much to be grateful for I could be sitting in school doing something I'm not very passionate about and generating more debt I was like it just kind of makes sense and you know a lot of people think like physical therapy sure maybe it would be a more stable career but at the end of the day you could have a a 9 to 5 job and you could get fired at any second. I feel like we just put in this false sense of security for a salary job or a job where you're paid bi weekly, but at the end of the day, nothing in life is for granted. Like something crazy could happen and you could lose your job or maybe something not crazy could happen and you lo- you could lose your job. And sure it's different when you work for yourself and you're your own boss and maybe your income does fluctuate more with time, but I still think that in society, I think with our generation it's seen as more acceptable to be an entrepreneur and stuff, but it. I really don't think it's that much more stable or unstable than a than a standard job.
1: No, I think you bring up a ton of good points in that in, in what you've said. So that was a said. bit of a ramble. No, but. that was that was a really cool journey because I think there's a lot of people out there that are like interested in in how and yeah. why people make these decisions. And it's easy on face value for us to look at something like what you're doing on Instagram and um, and YouTube and go, oh, you know, she just makes videos and photos for a living. It's very easy to dismiss the mm-hmm. amount of work that goes into what you do. Yeah. Um. So I think that's number one, is that it's, it's a bloody hard job and it's all self-motivated. Mm-hmm. Number two is like, Couldn't agree with you more. Like I've seen people in the jobs that I've worked um, for companies in Boston, you know, people get taken into an office unexpectedly and they're fired. Yeah. They lose their benefits. They lose their income. You know, they might have mortgages. They might have children. Yeah. The reality of work in, you know, modern day times is that maybe it's not as stable as we think. And to rack- especially in America to rack up the amount of debt you guys can oh, yeah. at school it's crazy. uh and then to not really have that it's what we call stability to not really have real stability, even to pay that back off
0: mm-hmm. yeah student loans it's are.
1: it is a scary prospect, so um cool journey Thank really you. cool decisions along the way i i I like um yeah, I liked hearing about that now that now that you are like. Really ramping up, and you're, mm-hmm. I suppose, you're working more than ever. Yeah. Would that be fair to say?
0: Yeah. I would say now that I have been doing it full time, and I'm sort of, I moved across the country, I moved up here to Portland, and I settled yep. down. And I really do think I have been taking my job like seriously. And it's like, okay, this is what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. How can I make this sustainable? Where do I see it going in like the next 10 years and stuff? So that I have was been working
1: more. Kind of my next question is how do you find the balance now so yeah. you've moved from from miami to mm-hmm. um to the portland area let's call it um ha- firstly how was that switch they're very different places yes. and then secondly yeah how do you find time for yourself yeah outside of work mm-hmm. to to unwind or to relax uh to to stay sane
0: yeah honestly i'd say that's still the biggest thing that i struggle with um Miami is very different from Portland. I honestly just moved to Miami to go to graduate school. So then once I left school, I was like, wait, I don't really like it here at all. So I want to leave. But I actually just signed my lease. I stayed in Miami for another year afterwards. And it was fine. Like I had some great friends. I think it's a good city like for vacation. But I just think in terms of the things that I like to do and the things I'm passionate about, it just didn't really coincide well with my lifestyle. And the beauty of working online is that you can pretty much work from anywhere you want. And I had visited Portland um, a year before then, and I fell in love with Portland and Seattle and the Pacific Northwest. I was like, well, I can live anywhere. I might as well live there. I've never really been held back by the fact that like I may be further from my family or maybe going somewhere where I don't know people. I was just like, yeah, it'll be an adventure. I'll just go and make friends along the way. Um, but in Miami, I would say, and initially when I took that leap to work by myself, I definitely felt really panicked and that like the whole world rested on my shoulders and like if I failed then I totally failed and I wouldn't be able to support myself and do I guess like anything I was like if I fail then I'm not making money and then like then what and honestly at the end of the day money is not everything but I have always been a very driven person and I think that's very common in a lot of entrepreneurs but I would also say at some point I was driven to a fault almost like honestly in Miami I had a few friends but I didn't hang out with my friends very often and I would work like seven days a week from like 9 a.m to like 9 p.m at night like I put in a lot of work in order to get where I got and I don't necessarily regret that I think there are times in your life when you need to put in the work and when you don't but also I think I probably could have worked a little less and I didn't need to put so much stress on myself um But I went so when I moved out here to Portland, I told myself that I needed to learn how to find balance, too, and to take a step back. Um, So once I moved out here, I did make more of an effort to say, hey, you know what? I don't need to work seven days a week. I'm doing okay." And like luck. Thankfully, I do come from a position where I really I don't need to hustle anymore. Like I am making enough money to have a sustainable income and to be able to let myself like take two days off a week and like not do anything on the weekends and I know that some people it's like that seems like a normal thing but when you're so used to like hustling and like you think you can always be doing something better or doing something working harder it, it can be hard to take a step back because also I am passionate about my work so I do enjoy working and my work has also sort of integrated into my life and my personal life as well. So sometimes it can be hard to set the boundary. Like, am I doing something for work or am I doing something for pleasure? Because sometimes there is an overlap. Like I share my life on my YouTube, so it can be hard to take a step back. But I think moving out here, and I do live with some other content creators, my uh, roommates, Jasmine and Chris, they have their own recipe blog. So I think for us, it's been helpful to realize, we're like, okay, you've worked a lot this week why are you filming a video on Saturday? Like, let's go to a restaurant and relax and like have a few drinks. So it's nice to have other people, um, to hold you accountable in a different for, way. Yes. In a yep. different way. And, um, I was honestly feeling a little bit of burnout in Miami just cause I was pushing myself so hard. And you have to realize that at some point, like making, making money is never going to make you happy. And like, 10 years from now, or like even five years, five months from now, are you really going to care? It's like, I worked 60 hours a week and now I've made it in the corporate world. Or you're like, I had a lot of great memories with my friends and I lived a good life and I did things that I actually enjoyed and I was still able to support myself by finding a more balanced mindset. Because I think society emphasizes hustling so much, but like to what end? Like sure, you can work so much. And even in the corporate world, you can work your butt off and never see your family and sure you're like making money to support your family but you don't get to go to your kids soccer games or you don't get to see your kids graduate or you don't get to go to that family reunion because you had to be in the office like I think that still applies to entrepreneurs as well you need to set clear boundaries and this is something that I'm still working on and trying to figure out but I have been sort of implementing various activities and setting boundaries and learning when to firmly tell myself no it doesn't matter if you post an extra like youtube video this week at the end of the day like you need to spend time with your friends or like go out to eat or just go to a yoga class and not think about work for a few hours because i also think when you allow yourself to take the time off you come back feeling more inspired and not as worn out and tired
1: definitely clear head yeah ready to go for the next mm-hmm. round yeah no it's yeah i think you're right corporate world entrepreneurship either way uh the balance is is really key mm-hmm. uh, into the sustainability of it, mm-hmm. I th- the the longevity. So that is something that I'm interested in. You have another page from my flow. Oh, yes, I do. So a bit of a yogi.
0: I do. I love yoga. Um, I started doing yoga probably like a year or so after I went vegan, actually. But I... It's crazy how much I've changed since I started doing yoga. I feel like it made me so much more of a mindful person. I'm so much more relaxed. And I love to like find movement mindfully and like move intuitively. And it's something that I'm passionate about. And yeah, I just kind of started that account for fun. Because like, I'm going to post yoga pictures, but it's kind of just morphed into like random life pictures too. Because while I love from my bowl at the end of the day, sometimes I feel like I need to take a step back and be like, this is my business as well. So so it can be kind of hard mixing your passion with your business, but the other account is just like I post whatever the heck I want, whenever I want. Sometimes I'll post like twice in three days, and sometimes I won't post for a month. But it's just kind of like random snippets of my life because I do think you need to still do things for fun, you know. And I I I feel like it's such a weird thing to describe, but in the social media quote unquote influencer world, even though I don't really like the word as an influencer, but it's like. I feel like there are a lot of people out there who are doing things purely for the sake of social media likes and like because they feel like they need to be doing it. And I have never liked superficiality or it's like I'm never going to do something just because I think it's going to get more Instagram likes. Like if I'm like, oh, I'm at the beach and that sunset's really pretty. Like, sure, I'll share it with people and I'm sure there's like something in it. But like there are people who go to restaurants and order food, take a picture of it and then throw it out. And they're like, that's just that blows my mind. I, I always want to be authentic with my audience I always want to share things like real things with my audience but it's crazy how like some people can get so caught up in it so I think it's also important to have a life outside of social media that you just keep to yourself because I've learned that when you really do share like everything I feel like it becomes really really draining and like it can almost seem like a chore or like you aren't fully yourself because it kind of is a one-sided relationship if you think about it like you build a platform with your audience and I love my audience and I love interacting with them but interacting with someone online is way different than having a conversation with someone in real life like you don't get the same it's more one-sided I guess online like people see a lot about my life and they may feel like they know me but I could know nothing about them even though I'd love to meet them and hang out with them in real life and give them a hug it's like not the same I don't think it's as mentally satisfying or emotionally satisfying for people too, so it can be easy to get caught up in that world as well
1: yeah I think it's a new it's a new world mm-hmm. it's something we're all still navigating yes, definitely um so it's always interesting hearing different perspectives on you know how people are going about their their life as mm-hmm. a you know, influencer. influencer. It's a terrible word. <laughs> I hate
0: it um, so much. I'm like, who am I influencing? Like, I just want to inspire other people. I want to be friends with other people. But I feel like when you feel like an influencer, I feel like I'm, like, coercing people into buying something or doing something. Mm. I don't know. It just seems more superficial to me, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Um, Yeah. It's, um, It's yeah, really cool to hear your story. I'm. I'm glad... Uh, that we were able to get you on the podcast the first time. Uh, that's oh my saying. God, the
0: first time I totally messed up. <laughs> Should I tell them the first
1: time? Yeah, we could go into that.
0: Oh my gosh. So the first time I was supposed to record a podcast with Matt, I like picked a date and I was like, oh yeah, I'll be in town. And then I realized, I think it was like three days before. I felt like such an a-hole. But I was like, oh my God, I'm actually, I booked a red-eye flight. So I thought I was getting there on like the 12th but I really wasn't getting there until the 13th or something. And I'm like, I'm actually not going to be in Boston until the day after because it was a red-eye flight, so we had to cancel. Yeah, to be to date. be fair, it
1: was a very small window <laughs> of opportunity. I think I was flying out for a work yeah,
0: yeah. conference or something uh-huh. like that. I felt so felt really
1: bad. <laughs> no, it's – it's honestly, that's something I've learned from this is um, the, the the whole timing thing is just not important. Yeah. If you've made the connection with someone and you've got a good connection with someone – it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Just true. let it go, and um, it will definitely happen. Yeah. So I wasn't worried at all. Okay, good. I was just start- <laughs> I was I was just starting the podcast, and I was just like, you know what, we're gonna catch up with her at some yeah. point in the future. It's not a big deal. And here so, we are
0: in Portland in a van. In did a van. you think that was gonna happen?
1: I probably did at that point because I think we knew we were doing oh, yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So it was probably on the radar. Um, but yeah, awesome to have you on. One question i would love to ask Mm -hmm. is who has influenced you in this whole uh this whole journey of yours who out there have you looked to for inspiration you mentioned Mm -hmm. uh you do you know find inspiration from other creators uh they don't have to be vegan Mm -hmm. just anyone out there that yeah you've you've learned from
0: Honestly, I I can't say there's like one main person, like even growing up as a kid, I was never obsessed with like one particular celebrity or anything. I like to find inspiration from like a lot of random different people. Like, I really admire the resilience of one of my best friends, and she inspires me. And I have another friend who isn't really in the creative field, but she's a really artistic and creative person. And I like to look at my own personal friendships and see the best qualities in other people and sort of transfer that to my life. And also, there are other content creators out there who really inspire me. I mean, I think Minimalist Baker, she does a really great job. She's the one, yeah, she does live in Portland. Haven't met her yet, but maybe one day. Um, But she takes really great photos. I like her like simple approach. I also really love um, Laura, the first mess. She lives in Canada, but she's like really inspiring food photography. And then there are other artists who I just really appreciate their work and their dedication to their craft. And I love uh, Lauren Toyota. We're actually pretty close friends now. I was able to meet her, but she's a general like badass woman in the media and she's a great vegan chef. Um, But I think in general, the vegan community is really inspiring. And then there are also people who aren't vegan who I just think have a really great worth, ethic. I love to see people who are passionate about what they're doing. I think that's what drives me the most.
1: Cool. And finally, something's just popped into my head. Where are you where do you see from my bowl going from here? Are there Mm -hmm. any projects that you've got that you can share with us or anything you'd like to share with Mm -hmm. us on on where you see yourself taking the project?
0: Yeah. Honestly I'm pretty happy with what I'm doing now. I think social media is going to change a lot over the next ten years. So obviously the scope of what i do will probably change but i would still like to be able to be making easy accessible recipes and showing people that you can cook like tasty vegan food and it doesn't have to be overly expensive or complicated or just showing people how to have more fun in the kitchen and celebrate healthier food options as well along the way i think it would be really cool to maybe like publish a cookbook
1: yes that that would would be
0: awesome um but I do think – I see my business growing and evolving and sort of modifying with how society changes. But I think at the core, I will still always want to be like, inspiring people to have more fun in the kitchen and cooking tasty vegan food.
1: Unreal. Well, it's been an awesome experience talking to you. Yeah, thank you so awesome much for chat. having me. I've loved testing out the van for a, for a podcast yeah. studio. <laughs> uh, that was, that was kind of cool. That was a little idea I kind of had – you know a, a while back i put up um i put up a big thing on my wall i was toying with the the idea of doing a podcast and i just had this massive sticky note on the wall and it just said something like van and podcast question mark really so i'm glad to that's awesome to have made that kind of um ideal mm-hmm. idea sorry come to fruition Couldn't have done it with a a better guest. So thank you you so much, Caitlin. Happy to break it
0: in. Hopefully there'll be um, many more to come.
1: I hope so. I hope so too. Yeah. Thanks for your time. Yeah. Thank you. Looking forward to hanging out today and um, yeah, all the best for the future. Yeah,
0: Thank you. I guess I'll say bye to everyone. Bye.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hello again. I hope you enjoyed the show today. What a courageous and hardworking human Caitlin is. I hope this gives you the confidence to start following your passions, whether it be a side hustle or that final push to go full time. Please let me know if you have any questions for Caitlin. You can reach me on Instagram at VegTalk. That's V E D G E T A L K. I'd love to hear what you thought of this week's show or any of my previous episodes. If you have been enjoying the podcast and have a couple of spare minutes, I'd be so grateful if you can leave a rating and a review for the veg talk podcast wherever you choose to listen in it really does help the show reach more people around the world thank you to everyone who's already taken that time to do it i really do appreciate it next week you'll be hearing from dairy free and phenomenally vegan cheese founder miyoko Shinna. she's an absolute rock star can't wait to share the conversation with you and i'll see you all next week